Hello, welcome to Brownline Church's Midweek Podcast. My name is Vince. I'm here with Kyle. Hello. And Kyle's kicking us off for our discussion today. Kyle, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, no, I, I heard that you uh, went and participated in uh, one of the protests yesterday. Uh, I was just curious, uh, did you end up going with your, your whole family? Was it just you and your wife, Kezia? Uh, I'm just curious what your experience was uh, as you kind of went out in the world and, and participated in, in the Black Lives Matter protests that are happening all over our city. Yeah, we did a march yesterday that was through Rogers Park, the far north side neighborhood that I used to live in. Um, And it was um, organized by a local uh, black pastor. And um, the partners in it were other faith communities and other local business leaders. Um, And so we we participated in the march. Um, my experience was it's complicated. Mm. Tell me <laughs> uh, more. There were a lot of, there was a lot of complicated feelings. So we, the, um, so the, I mean, the interesting backstory is, uh, our church, uh, caught wind of a protest that was more local to our neighborhood in Lincoln square on Sunday. And, uh, and we initially, um, were interested in this. It was, um, the, the billing of it was a, a standing in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, um, that Lincoln Square wants to do that too. And the organizers pitched it as such. As we, um, as we continued to follow, um, the, uh, like the thread on the events, uh, webpage, uh, to kind of understand like what was going on, we actually became increasingly uncomfortable with this protest. Uh, and this was, this was the one on Sunday. And what we found is that um, it was uh, it was not submitted in any way um, to any uh, local Chicago black leadership. Um, it was just sort of a, a, a organizing group that is organizes in terms of progressive uh, action civically and politically in uh, in the the Lincoln Square area. Um, and they so what we thought our our. <laughs> I was sort of uh, texting back and forth with like a half dozen people in the church all uh, day, all afternoon on Sunday, as we were kind of like seeing what was going on. And the place we came to was like, if this would have been pitched as a memorial, uh, a silent memorial to remember the victims of police violence, um, then it, it, it would have felt like right on. Um, because what was what, what the messaging behind it was, um, we're going to be silent. Um, where the idea was like to, to, uh, the, the, what they pitched was like to protect people from spreading COVID-19. Um, uh, because when you're chanting, you're more likely to do that. Uh, and they're going to be around Wells Park. Uh, they weren't actually, there wasn't actually, actually any plan to like disrupt, which is a sort of big part of protest. Um, but what, what ended up being the messaging that was forward about it was that it's a, like calling it a protest, calling it standing in, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter as if to give off the impression that they, you know, like, They've 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 worked with um, uh, the local black leadership or Black Lives Matter uh, representatives, you know, to kind of um, say like, hey, Lincoln Square, are, or we want to stand with you, and we're going to show that. Um, and so, uh, what happened in the events page is uh, a few black residents in Lincoln Square uh, flagged this that they felt uncomfortable with this, and they felt uncomfortable with the uh, the idea of silence um, being a big part of something that's called a protest. Mm-hmm. Sort of it seemed really indicative of privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like si- silence is actually a pretty triggering phrase when it comes to uh, a largely white neighborhood um, trying to stand in solidarity with uh, the black community. And um, 
And so we we saw that we thought, oh, we should we should keep an eye on this. And and the way that the organizers respond was it it was a sort of in the vein of like the we'll run it up the flagpole, um, mm-hmm. you know, which, which, like sort which sort of implies like who who do you have to run that up to? Yeah, yeah. It, it it felt like it wasn't a full throated like oh wow um, we hear you. Uh, they released a statement um, a few hours or like a uh, like s- somewhere in the the time after uh, our service let out on Sunday morning that um, that addressed like the um, the concerns and uh, and did not at all sound defensive, which w- which was good. Um, but it was sort of buried in 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 the response. It was like sort of third paragraph in of a yeah. you, know, you have to click see more to see it, and <laughs> the beginning of it was it was yeah. still like we're excited for everyone who's coming out. So anyway, the, the, the afternoon plays on and we end up not going. Um, we, we just felt increasingly uncomfortable. Um, we sort of released a, 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 a quick word to our, um, our folks who had expressed interest in participating and said, hey, we, we're not really comfortable recommending this anymore because it feels a little bit like, um, I don't know, like we, we want to get in line behind black leadership when it comes to protests. Um, and... Um, and this, uh, you know, like, it just like I, I learned in the course of like three hours, I, I'm such a newbie to the idea of like protest and march. And uh, I, I'm a I'm somebody who's hungry to be an ally, but I'm relatively inexperienced. And uh, so just like learn, I, I learned in like a course of three hours, like these are red flags to look out for. Like mm-hmm. who is behind it? What are the organizers? What is the what are the uh, the ways that they're talking about things? Um, and I realized you asked about the march that we did yesterday, but I'm still just telling you about the march no. that we didn't do on Sunday. <laughs> Which is, I think, I think it's actually really interesting because it actually intersects a lot with uh, struggles that you and I have talked about. I think yeah. what, what we see in what happened at the the, the protest that you didn't participate in, the, the uh, somewhat uh, oxymoronic phrasing of silent protest on uh, right. on Sunday, uh, is people, largely white people, who uh, felt a, a heart and a care about something and then did what they thought they should do without actually talking um, and listening first. Um, and, I think that yeah. I, and I think that you and I, we talk about this a lot, too, of a church led by two white guys, that one of our biggest challenges is navigating um, how do we live out who we are, uh, understanding the limitations that our privilege have, the limitations of our ability to fully see the impact of things, fully understand what is actually needed, and then therefore calls upon us to actually listen. Um, and I think for us, this this protest is actually in some ways um, a furthering lesson for us, not just in how do we civically engage, which is you need to listen to see what's actually uh, going on before you do it. And I'll actually commend you to say, that it wasn't like you just heard it and said, all right, I'm going to do this, but actually engaged in dialogue to try to figure out what's going on and came to a place to say, you know what, I don't actually think this is honoring in the way that I hope to honor uh, the heart of protest that's happening right now. Um, And in the same way, I I think that does resonate with us uh, of our challenge of to make sure that we are always listening and always uh, making sure that we're not just assuming, hey, this seems like a great idea, but we're actually making sure that we're owning our blind spots and then trying to faithfully walk forward in that. Yeah, the um, the, a number of uh, stakeholders from the church uh, were really, really helpful in just kind of as we uh, we had all kind of caught wind of it. We were all watching and processing and kind of texting back and forth. And one thing that came up that I'll throw out to anyone listening is we talked about the idea of um, starting a conversation among anybody who's interested in the church 
about um, these things that we learned on Sunday afternoon about red flags to watch out for. Mm-hmm. What are the things that are most important to uh, to see when you when you see something that is a march or a protest or some sort of uh, public um, statement? That um, how how is it important to make sure that um, the leadership that we're getting behind is black leadership when it comes to uh, being in solidarity with Black Lives Matter? You can't just say that you're standing in solidarity with the black community in a vacuum. Like mm-hmm. you, you, if you're standing in solidarity, you, you, you have to submit to leadership and, uh, and, and, and that's not just something that you can just decide. I mean, that's a, I guess that's a pretty classic, like white person thing to do is just to say like, because I said it, it's true. Um, <laughs> and, um, now I do want to offer a little bit more context and then actually Please. I want to ask, answer the original question that you asked. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm curious to you even in this space, to pass along a couple of the red flags that you discovered over this last experience. And so if you want to yeah. offer offer some of the context that you want to offer, uh, you know, I'm assuming that these aren't terrible people that are trying to go and do this. Absolutely. Thing. There's a really kind-hearted people that uh, we, uh, but it's, I'm curious for you, what's the larger context? And then also uh, some of the conversation that you had that brought out some of the red flags that we should be aware of. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that question. So the larger context is what actually happened uh, on mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon um, is that uh, some uh, uh, like way more people than the organizers expected show up. Uh, um, that was sort of you, you were starting to realize that that was going to happen um, by just how much it was passed around within Lincoln Square residents. Um, it did turn into a march. It, mm. uh, it marched all the way to Wrigleyville. There's mm-hmm. like WGN TV had like, you know, uh, coverage of it from helicopter. Um, and so, uh, and so, and it did end end up becoming something where there were chants and there were all of those, you know, all of those things. It was disrupting traffic. It was something that was, you know, much more in the vein of a protest. Um, and so in that sense, um, you know, maybe we overthought things, but in this other sense, and I get, you asked about red flags. And so I say the specific things are, you know, one is, is, uh, protest, something to look for when you're looking for something that is that is actually in the vein of protest again not not something which is really valuable like a like a memorial which again like we 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 do things like that all the time in our church and i do think that's valuable but if we're looking for something that is truly um making known an agenda that we think is not being um uh, uh not being given enough light um like black lives matter is is, is doing and encouraging other people to join in on uh, it has to disrupt and so that's the first thing that um that there has to be a disruption and so whether that is, you know, very classically blocking traffic, whether it is in a public place that is, you know, just trying to um, uh, prohibit regular life from going on, because the idea is regular life status quo does not capture this. We need to break the status quo. So disruption is a first thing to look for. If there's no disruption, that's a red flag. That, yeah. was, that was one thing that, that kind of came out of this. It makes and sense the, that you would say, you know, if we're challenging the status quo, doing a uh, protest that enables the status quo to exist around you yes. is maybe not actually addressing the issue. The whole point of this is we are disrupting the status quo of traffic, of commerce, Correct. of the world around yeah. us for the sake of the, the desire to upset the status quo of systemic racism. And, and, that is, and that's a challenge for our three-quarter white community in Brown Line because, uh, you know, like the, the, the disruption thing, it's like, oh man, it'd be great if I can't, <laughs> one, one friend who I was texting with on, on Sunday about this, they, they called it protest light, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> can I, can I do it without the risk? Can I, I do it without the, 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 um, the disruption thing? Well, and that's what white people in general have been really great at is 
is uh, voicing concern, voicing heartbreak, um, yep. but but stopping light of actual disrupting the status quo because yeah. to yeah. disrupt status quo it it, it costs. Uh, those who benefit to the status quo, like myself, yeah. uh, it's a it's yeah. a bigger ask on myself in that space, and and have historically uh, really not followed through well there. So continue. Yeah. Sorry, tell me a little bit more. So, so it did go like that's that. Way. Well, the yeah. set, this I'll throw out a, f- a f- the a few more or a couple more red flags here. The second one was the um, uh, submission to black leadership thing, mm-hmm. and you know, and this is this is specific to to what we're talking about right now with this agenda is. I think it's really important to get in line behind black leaders, mm-hmm. um, and that, and and especially when uh, for a white organization like ours, um, our job is not to say like, "Hey, we're gonna you know like organize everybody and all of the people in our orbit and get behind you know like and get everybody behind us because we've got the message about this." Like the whole point is like, no, go partner with people who know way more about this than we do, who are far more uh, um, like down the line in terms of leadership on this. And our job is to get in line behind them, and then also just for the for the sake, like the the my voice is not uh, doesn't need to be heard. And any like really, you know, like anybody who they could be the wokest white person in the world, it, it their job their their voice being heard is not what matters right now. The what matters is that we're submitting to black leadership. And so for anything that is claiming to um to to live in solidarity or stand uh, uh, by uh, the black community right now. Um, that uh, the the flag to kind of look for is if that's being stated, but it, there there is no clarity that this has been submitted to black leadership. Um, that there is you know like a um a, a a an embrace of what's going on again doesn't mean that like a white person can't lead something. It just means that you know this has been said like hey look like we're we're trying to get in line behind you, not you know just saying announcing that because we said it it's true. Um, and so that that would be the second thing to look for. You know, it, it's it's a challenge because um, I think part of this conversation is whose voice is being centralized, and yes. there there's a call, almost unprecedented call right now for white voices to act right now, but not for the white voices to be centralized. Exactly, it's using the privilege of people like ourselves, the platform to be able to elevate and centralize the the experience of black voices that have have not been hurt before. And I think what you see even how that march evolved from something that was maybe, uh, you know, good hearted, but, but not quite at the heart of, a, of what a protest would be into something that was that I think uh, speaking um, right now to a lot of our heart and the, the kind of the general energy to disrupt what's going on in the world, that, that even things that that's not their explicit purpose, when you get enough people in that space, you saw how it evolved into something else. Um, and I, you know, I think for us, it's always a challenge of even how to, like, who wants to hear our voices as two white guys in this conversation? There's a little bit of like, ah, I don't want to speak up. I don't want to say anything because nobody wants to hear a white guy's perspective on racism in this world. Um, that is true. Nobody wants to center your voice, Vince. Nobody wants to center my voice. Right. However, we have a platform. We have a yeah. platform as yes. pastors, as people of influence, people that have privilege, not just the privilege of being white men, but the privilege of being leaders in our community. Yeah. We have to use that to be able to move forward a conversation that is not purporting our leadership, not purporting our voices right. as the centralized experience, but rather using that to bring about understanding awareness and ultimately change 
uh, of the status quo that we've just uh, so much of our country has has failed to kind of fully follow through in addressing. This was one of the questions that was presented by uh, in in the threads that were that were critical of uh, that one of the early things that we saw that were like oh we're we're feeling a little bit because a, a legitimate question was asked is. Um, uh, will there be any? Um, will there be any uh, speakers? Will there be anybody who from the from the black community in Chicago on the north side who uh, you know is is speaking to this and kind of um, and and the the responses were were a, a bit too evasive for our comfort and so um, uh, and so there were no speakers and that uh, is is kind of the uh, why it, it we would classify it as sort of like uh, it's a, it's a possible red flag on that on that front. The third red flag was um, how, uh, how organizers are going to respond to criticism. Because I feel like one, one, thing, we've, one thing I've definitely mm-hmm. learned in the last two days is that there is no such thing as a pure protest. Yeah. <laughs> there is no such thing as, uh, you know, as something that's not complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll tell you more about the, the one that we did participate in yesterday. It, yeah. Yeah, largely great, but also some complicated feelings. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of the experience on Sunday, where we where we in the end recommended not to participate in this, uh, it was because the the responses uh, to criticism that came um, w- again they seemed evasive, as I mentioned. Uh, they mm-hmm. seemed to you know yeah we'll we'll run it up the flagpole. Um, that doesn't really work with the structure of the event, you know things like that, um, which are um, sort of bouncing around, um, escaping mm-hmm. um, a. a, a, a I th- I think what what probably happened is we had a really well intentioned effort to try to get a largely white population behind this um, that wasn't um, submitted to black leadership ahead of time became something much bigger than they expected and then it was too late to you know to, or it felt too late to try and like pivot or change this and so they just kind of like rolled with it and I think you know in that case I just think that. There's that healthy dollop of humility that we all always talk about of like, maybe, I don't know, like as, as, as painful as it would have felt, maybe it would have been wise or maybe it would have been in the grand scheme of things, a more, um, a more powerful message to humbly say, oh, wow, we got this wrong. Well, it's a challenge too, because when you, when you, when you don't listen first and then the lack of listening gets called out later. That's a hard thing to walk. Then you have back. to defend yourself. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Just, I mean, I think about us, uh, like when you know, church a couple weeks ago, we felt like we needed to respond to this, but felt like we couldn't just decide what to do. Um, and uh, then we, so we reached out to the uh, leaders in our community that either are involved in in racial equity or leaders of color in our community and asked for input. What what is needed right now? Understanding that we want to use our voices and our platform of this church. But we own the the whiteness of these two male pastors, and we want to make sure that we're trying to listen. And did we do that perfectly? No, not at all. Definitely, However, yeah. it was. But if I can absolutely imagine myself having a scenario where you and I came up with a really, really good idea of how to respond to this, created a service, and then in a vacuum, went, it would have been perfect. And yes. it would have been, you yeah. all, in yeah. all of our white guy perspectives, we would have thought really thought out the, the proper nuance. <laughs> And then it would have come, and then there would have been warranted criticism because one hundred percent we would have not 
we would have not been responsive to what was actually needed in that space. Yeah. And then in that space, it is so hard when you feel, oh, I did such a good job thinking through this all. Oh, you're missing my intention. Yeah, uh, that's, not, yes, that's and a then, classic one. And you're wrestling with, rather than just taking that space and, and even in the space of what we did do, you know, did we perfectly nail it? No, but being willing to say, oh, you're right. We could have done things like this, or we should do things like yeah. this. It's the process of listening. Um, and as we as we kind of pivot to what you actually did do, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to say the thing that I, I appreciate about this is, um, you know, I have a tendency when I try to do something and it doesn't work out to be a little cynical and defeatist about it. Like there's a sense of like, oh, I was, well, that, that protested, you know, there's something about that I get, like, the whole world is broken and terrible, so I should just stay home and do nothing. Um, it's yeah. a little bit of the experience. Like, well, well, if you're telling me even protests are corrupt at times, even yeah. protests are missing the point, then how do I know how to do anything? Um, and I think that the, the thing that you're, you're I'd be he- interested to hear, it sounds like you did do an imperfect protest, yes. but, you, but you did something, and you didn't, yeah. you didn't let the defeat of the first experience stop you from moving forward. You learned from it and are trying to figure out a better way forward. But I'd be interested to hear about what were your experience of, of the protest you actually did participate in. Yeah, well, that just the suspense has been built at this point. You know, <laughs> what actually happened? We just, I've been, I've been, this is like the, the movie Departed, where like the, all that we've talked about so far has just been text messages. But yeah. we made it really exciting, didn't yes, we? Yes, yes, yes. It was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, uh, but now, uh, yeah, so yesterday... Um, we did, uh, we caught wind of another protest that's happening on the north side. Again, what we've really been trying to put our ear out for is things that are happening on the north side. I just think, you know, there are lots of things going on on the south side. There are lots of things going on downtown. Yeah. Uh, but what is happening to, for people in these areas, you know, like, uh, again, largely white areas on the north side to kind of communicate, hey, we, this matters to us and our hearts are being changed and we want to stand with this. Um, and so, uh, so we, we caught wind of this. I mentioned it was, um, uh, started by a, uh, a black pastor who's in Rogers Park and then, uh, other local faith communities and, uh, businesses, uh, got in line behind it. Uh, it was a march, uh, through, uh, Rogers Park, uh, from one park to another. And, um, and so we, uh, we had, there's, uh, partners, uh, that were sort of like, you know, ready on the flyer, you know, like as we're partnering with this that we trust and we have relationship with. And so we were, we were ready to, uh, to participate with it. We, we threw it out to our channels. We checked the, you know, like, again, like just hours before we'd kind of had this, like, here are some three red flags to think about. And Mm -hmm. so we wanted to, we wanted to, uh, engage each of those. We, uh, we wanted to see who, like, was this submitted to black leadership? Somebody who's actually a leader in the community that is from the black community. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, was there a disruption going on? And then, uh, and then third is how is the conversation going? And that was the one where you have to do a little bit of research where you have Mm -hmm. to like kind of text people. And so, uh, we're lucky to have another person in our church who's, uh, who, who's connected to things going on in Rogers Park. And so I reached out to her and kind of asking her like, Hey, have you heard anything about this? Um, as the day went on, uh, like for most of the day, it was like, okay, we feel good about this. one. we learned so much from yesterday. Oh my gosh. Aren't we just such seasoned, you know, marchers and protesters? Oh, we're just, yeah, this is so great. But of course, like hours before, um, it happens, we start to, that the complications start to come out. And so we, we start to hear that um, in, uh, there, there is some connection in some of the organizers to uh, a, a volunteer police like liaisons between mm-hmm. community 
uh, people in the police. And that, and in, in many ways, that could be viewed uh, in terms of Black Lives Matter agenda as a real, uh, a real red flag. Like uh, that, you know, like this is, this is actually something that is going to give a platform uh, potentially to uh, the police rather than to, uh, to, to uh, focus the, the effort on um, uh, black people are disproportionately experiencing violence at the hands of police. And that's the most important thing here. We don't want to get to extraneous conversation. We want to stay on point. Um, and so that led us with some pause, but we said, you know what, we're going to go through with this. We, I, I think that we, there, there's not enough to indicate that that's exactly what will happen. We don't know that police will be given platforms. So we're like, we're going to go with this. We it had like a, like a dozen people from uh, Brown line who were already uh, like in. So we went for it and, uh, and I'm glad we did. Uh, like, I, I want to say like the, the, like, let me lead with the headline is all of the signs and all of the chants and all of the experience of being around the people that we were around in uh, during that march, uh, where we were in it, uh, it was uh, my wife, my family, uh, our kids, um, some other families from Brown Line, a few singles and couples from Brown Line, and and we just we marched here. We couldn't really stay together the whole time, but we tried our best. Um, and all of that, all of those signs and chants. I mean, we were just like, like, yes, this is I'm behind this. It felt on point. It felt like it was making clear uh, what this moment is about, and it was and it was a chance for all of these people to to uh, to disrupt uh, Rogers Park and kind of make clear to the neighborhoods like Black Lives Matter, uh, mm-hmm. and that was uh, that that was really powerful. The most powerful moment was as we're walking. There's um, there's a, a a woman and uh, and and a young girl, maybe my son's age, so maybe like seven or eight, and uh, and she decides to start a chant at some point. Um, uh, in a, like a lull where there wasn't something going on and she's like, black lives matter. And, uh, and, and she kind of does it for a little while and no one's really catching on. And then there's a break and then she starts it again. And, uh, and, and, uh, my, my friend from, uh, who'd, who'd come and, and connected with us starts to join in. And then a few more people start to join in and then we start to join in. And then actually it's like one of the big chants that's going on and this little girl started it. And that was really powerful to, um, to, to be a part of. Um, now that said, the complicating factors, uh, is that, uh, there, there was some speaking going on in this, um, at the beginning, uh, before, uh, we, we departed from the, from the first park at the end and then sort of throughout. Now we didn't hear, I didn't personally hear the, uh, the speaking in, in, in the middle because we were, uh, we had a family. So we sort of slowly drifted toward the back of the, uh, <laughs> of the protest as it went on. We were the last like people in the march by the end of it because we'd stopped to tie shoes and drink water so many times and switch the stroller. Uh, but, um, but we did have people from Brown Line who were closer to the front because they wanted to hear what the speaking was. And essentially what, like the, the takeaway was the speaking was a little bit preachy and uh, because there was, there were faith communities involved. Um, and, uh, and, and essentially like it just really heavy on the, like, we repent, we are sorry for this Lord. Um, but what it didn't do was straightforwardly condemn uh, police brutality and violence. And, uh, and I, th- and, and, and some of that I think was because it was connected with, um, w- with faith, you know, there's this, there's this element of like, uh, we've talked about this before of like the both sidesness that comes yeah. out in, in religiosity. Um, uh, maybe it had to do with these things that we caught wind of ahead of time. They were like, is there a connection to some police, you know, like, uh, chumminess going on mm-hmm. here? We're not sure. Um, but, uh, but what that led to, I think the, the final kind of takeaway here, and this applies to the experience on Sunday too, uh, given how, what it became, um, is who makes a, a, a march or a protest what it is. 
is it the organizers or is it the protesters? Mm. Um, and so, you know, like we, like what I was thinking of is like in the age of social media, we're not going to a protest and then having our, our beliefs and our uh, opinions formed by that great speaker who is there. It's already been formed. We've watched so many things on social media. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've taken in, we've read all the articles and we've, uh, you know, and, and, and had that thing linked to us and seen those resources that somebody created that Google doc for. Like we, we, we've watched the YouTube clips. We're, we, we sort of came in and, you know, and there was plenty of full throated condemnation of uh, police brutality and and clear we need limitations on the police to 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 protect black men in our country and uh and even though that wasn't spoken by the speakers or organizers up front that was happening so who makes the protest what it is is it is it the organizers or the protesters it's a little bit of both right and uh and and for that reason like we were glad we went and we were glad that you know getting us off our butts and starting conversations with our kids and and being again, like I'm relatively inexperienced with this, and and, and this was this was a good movement for us. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, thanks for filling me in, and then let me know a little bit about what happened. I was curious how it all played out, and you know, I think you lived out your this this time where we actually have almost un, unprecedented abilities to do things about uh, systemic yeah. racism. You know, I think some of us feel paralyzed uh at times or feel hopeless but the truth is there's actually a ton we can do right now it's you know participating in uh disruptive protests to uh as disrupting the status quo of the economy and life around us particularly on the north side uh which has largely been protected from some of this disruption by this predominantly uh more more white community on the north side it's giving money to organizations like the NAACP that are actually fighting for this kind of justice. It's volunteering our time. My job, other than uh, Brownline Church, is books and breakfast, fighting for educational equity. And there's tons of opportunities for people to volunteer their time to not just impact what's happening today, but the, the overall pictures of systemic yeah. inequity that we're experiencing. Um, we, we can speak to the people around us to educate ourselves. I think there's a lot of things we can actually do right now. We can call our mayor, we call the police yeah. department. Uh, we have an election coming up soon. Like, I can't believe how different this experience would be if I had uh, a picture of some um, decent integrity in the White House trying to navigate this. So I think it would be a very different experience. Um, which brings me back to another question I was just curious about. So you brought your kids out to this experience. I've been having some conversations with my own kids this last week. I'm just curious, how has it been trying to explain to your kids what's happening? How has it been? talking about, hey, we're going to go on a protest. Uh, can you just remind us the ages of your kids. And I'd be curious just to hear a little bit about what it's like uh, as, a, as a white father with white children to be trying to bring along this conversation. Um, I, I think uh, for me, as I try to do this with my own kids, I'd be just curious to hear for you how that experience has been. Yeah. Uh, well, we have a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Um. I got to say the one-year-old really gets it. No, I, I, <laughs> uh, no um, I think that with the, with the three-year-old, we are largely just, um, you know, we're playing the long game. We're just like kind of, um, I, 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 we, I do not consider our, us um, good at this yet, but I consider us trying. And mm -hmm. I think that that's, um, that that's the most important thing. Um, at this stage in the game for us. Um, and so the trying is really important just to kind of like um, water the soil because uh, eventually 
he will be older and he will have had experiences where we do talk about this. And uh, my wife was saying the other day, like, um, you know, she she's heard lots of people that she really respects um, who are adults now that talk about growing up in a family where their parents did this or that thing around marching or on protest. And that's like really formative. And, it, and, mm-hmm. it, and it, it's a part of the narrative of who they became. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so what we're trying to remember is that all of that is like formational stuff. It's not like the magic conversation that they really got it. And they were like so focused because that's literally impossible. There's no such thing as focus with a, with a three-year-old. There's really like, there's been very little such thing as focus with our seven-year-old, even though we can have much more to the point conversations and he mm-hmm. can definitely track. So I guess, I mean, again, like speaking from like, you know, like barely can pass on any expertise here. Um, but I guess like we've we've tried to take advantage of like the liminal space that is there when there's focus and when like honest questions are asked. And we try to like, you know, like if one of us can corral the other kids so that when our seven year old is really interested and really focused and asking questions, we can have like a, you know, a one to one conversation and really say things. Uh, and we have had a few of those. Um, and um, and uh, but then the other part of it is like, you know, like yesterday. Um, while we're there, you know, just kind of like asking them, like, what signs do you see? Um, well, you know, what do you, th- do you know what that means? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and I guess that, you know, like we, we are trying to be, uh, there have been some resources, uh, that have been passed around, uh, in our, in Brownline circles, uh, of, um, helpful, like, um, so one, one book that, um, we went to a seminar about, uh, a number of years back was called Raising White Kids, uh, by Dr. Jennifer Harvey. Um, and she talks, uh, she kind of gives a, a, a scaffolding for like, um, uh, anti-racism discussions for different age groups. Like it is, th- there's no such thing as like too young to talk about this. Mm-hmm. It's just the way the conversations happen are different. And so we've tried to kind of, you know, stick to those scaffoldings as best we can understand. And, um, it is not protecting them from like, oh, they, they can't, they can't take this harsh reality. It is talking about it. It's finding ways to talk about it in ways that will, that will engage them. And then again, like largely going back to this thing of like, there's not going to be a magic conversation. There's not going to be like the, 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 you know, TV, like show script moment where they like truly get it. And there's a twinkle in everyone's eye. It's, it's formational. It's like over time, we're going to hope that, you know, down the road when our kids are my age, you know, they, they're like, yeah, well, I, you know, I grew up in a family that was, that went to protests and, um, and, and, and that that would, you know, form them in some way. Yeah, no, that's helpful. You know, in an ongoing conversation with us and, and trying to talk about it, we we watched the the CNN Sesame Street. Yeah, last yeah, I heard really good things about that. Yeah, I think it was mostly like uh, I think the messaging was great. It's messaging you could get in lots of different places, but it was just like it yep. was like my characters, friends of my kids that are talking about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And it's like, uh, and so it is helpful to have some conversations. And even my son processing, you know, his his deskmate in preschool. You know, we're like, you know, you know, people were talking about protesting and um, there's a lot of people that are really angry right now and they're they're out marching um, because uh, people with darker skin have not been treated well and particularly by the police. And, you know, they're marching because we want things to change. And then he he connected with his his desk mate uh, yeah. and just thinks through like and, and just trying to process that it's not just, um, you know, racism of the past, but in the moment. And it's a hard yeah. process to, to walk through. And I think, you know, for us right now, when I think about why we want to talk about this and why we have been talking about this is, you know, 
it is it is complex and complicated, particularly as white men um, to be pushing a conversation about this forward. And I think it's a, but right now I think there's actually some some really meaningful reasons why I think we we need to keep doing this uncomfortable work. Uh, I think the first one is listening to the voices around us that are telling us that we need to do this difficult work. And I think the second one is we actually, I do think we have some real opportunity to see change right now. And I think if we can keep pushing forward a conversation, and I don't mean changes in like everything's going to be better and racism is going to go away, but I actually think that there's a chance, there's a chance that we as a country may actually push through a breaking point we're not doing the hard work of assessing and addressing systemic racism, not doing the hard work of addressing the disproportionate experience of police violence of black and brown bodies. Uh, it actually becomes um, so unacceptable yeah. that uh, it actually kind of moves a larger tide, that it becomes a, a thing where you know we actually bring about change. And because it's not just because you know, there's an, uh, the will of a few people, but it becomes kind of a social responsibility for us to not fall short this time. Um, and it's a big thing to promise. And I think that's a big thing to say that I feel, um, I feel worried that this becomes, you know, a flash and then, and then not enough change actually happens. But I, I do believe that the injustice of this moment has shown a light on historical injustice in a way that perhaps brings about some change. And so we want to keep pushing the conversation forward, not because anybody needs to hear our voice, but because if we don't push it forward, uh, we want to make, my fear is that all of a sudden other people will stop pushing this forward, that we want to be part of the, com part of the people that say what has been is no longer acceptable. And not, we've always known it, racism wasn't acceptable, but it is no longer acceptable uh, for people to uh, not confront this reality and that we, we as faith leaders don't play the both sides conversation. Yeah. We as faith leaders stand strongly to say no, police brutality that is disproportionately directed at black and brown bodies, systemic inequity in our educational system, systemic inequity in our criminal justice system, um, the economic opportunity of uh, inequity that we see is something that is, is built into the status quo of our country that needs to find change. And we want to make sure that we are participating in what we see Jesus doing, which is bringing about a more just world uh, where every human being who is made in his image is actually rightfully being treated with the honor and dignity that they deserve. Yeah. And I, I, I keep going back to this, uh, this parable from Jesus that I mentioned on Sunday that uh, the, like uh, to zoom in on this point that you made of like, Actually, like, I, you know, like, I don't think we're going to see, like, the perfect, like, you know, racially equitable America in our lifetime. You know, we may, we, we may never see that, you know. But uh, why is protest still so worth it? And why uh, does that matter? I think about this parable of Jesus talking about the, the widow coming to the unjust judge and going again and again and again to plead her case of oppression. And... And it's set, and and Jesus's uh, finish is just so interesting and provocative. I think I think telling for this time. He says the the unjust judge eventually listened to the widow, not because like his mind was changed, not because he became a just judge, but because he was so bothered by the widow. And then and then the way that that Jesus sums that up is sort of like like he he sort of wants us to accept that like 
our judges may not ever be like what we long for. Our judges may not ever be just. But what, what he finishes with, he says, look at what the unjust judge does. Like by just, just this widow's persistence, he says, how much more will your father in heaven do when you cry out for justice? And I just think like, that's what we want to put our hopes in. Like if we can continue to disrupt and just be that, that persistent widow, like the Amazon.coms of the world will put Black Lives Matter on their banner on the front webpage. You know what I mean? Like, look what the unjust Amazon.com does for Black Lives Matter. How much more will our Father in Heaven do for Black Lives Matter? Like, I really think like we can make a difference by persisting. And also we, we, have, a, we have a God who is far more invested in this than you know, like, then even the most, like, this isn't even a, a Republican, Democrat, progressive, like, conservative issue. Like, the, the local police forces are run by local government, not by uh, Donald Trump's uh, White House. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Chicago is in a Democratic machine for, for a century. You know what I mean? Like, so this isn't even an issue of, like, do we have, like, uh, liberals in, in, in politics? This is, criminal justice uh, uh, reform has needed to happen for a long time. Equitable outcomes in education and, and all of these things have needed to happen for a long time in a state and in a city that has been dominated by progressive politics, so-called progressive politics. And so I just think like, man, like let's let, 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 let us continue to be that persistent widow and we won't get perfectly just judges, but they might change things because we're so freaking bothering them. <laughs> and we have a father in heaven who's backing us up in that. Yeah. Amen to that. I think, uh, as we move forward here, I had somebody ask me the question of like, so are we just going to keep talking about uh, racial justice? Is that like, is that the, the topic of conversation at BLC moving forward? Um, and and my answer it was was kind of yes, but but it's not because it's the topic of conversation that's hot that yeah. we want to keep talking about. It's that we founded this church to help people have deeper and fuller lives by connecting with God. And for, for us, a big experience of that is recognizing that our life is actually made richer and fuller when we invest in the flourishing of the entire world around us. Our life is made richer and fuller when we participate in a mission larger than ourselves. And honestly, the most entrenched and most robustly evil system in our society is the way that systemic racism has found life. And so to me, addressing and challenging that is not a topic of conversation. It is living out what does it mean to bring about the kingdom of God here today. And so, yes, it is interwoven into so many pieces of what daily life looks like. And so if we're going to try to encourage people to live a life that is deeper and fuller, it means that we will be talking about this in about every sphere of conversation that we have, not just as a topic of, of what's hot right now, but in a reality of what is true of our society and then in the reality of what the God of the universe longs for us to actually be experiencing, that you were, you're not like this benevolent kind person for marching. I am not this benevolent kind person for speaking up about racism. I am made richer. I live a deeper and fuller life for pursuing a world that is a better reflection of Jesus and in turn being part of something larger than myself. It is a self-serving experience to be part of something larger. We are not heroes. We are not doing some some kindness to the others around us. We are doing a kindness to ourselves by trying to figure out how we live a life that is more activated. Yeah. Well, amen. Thanks for leading us through this conversation today, Kyle. 
And uh, thanks everybody for listening. Again, we'll mention uh, if you're liking what you're hearing or if you have uh, some feedback about what you're hearing to let us know at brownlinechurch at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in that conversation around protests and how uh, we can be wise and uh, helpful allies to our black and brown brothers right now, uh, let us know about that as well. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye.